Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Yes, indeed. It is the get right right here on your home of the Cowboys, the World Series champion, Texas Rangers 105.3. The fan. I'm Reginald Datatula. Joining me this evening is the fan phenom, Blake Elliott. Yes, Erski. We got David Shrupp and we got Ross Lebensky both on the ones and twos. Thank you, gentlemen. And thank you listening for rocking with us on this Monday evening in the Metroplex. You can always get involved with the program by doing a few different things. You can always text in to the truckwreck.com text line. That number is 877-881-1053. Again, 877-881-1053. Or if you would like to see our smiling faces. And uh, react with, uh, you know, the Twolos and the folks on the YouTube. You know, there's, you know, bustling chats happening online for you. All you got to do is search 105 through the fan on YouTube. There's a live stream there. Or you can go to twitch.tv slash Dallas Fan Cam. Got all sorts of folks hanging out in those various lounges. Blake, how you doing this evening, man? It was a misty one. You know, very dark outside quickly. Outside today, ran, ran some errands for the new apartment, just getting it decorated, just trying to get everything to go. Got to see some good football this weekend. Yeah, man. Great, good football. Great football weekend. I, I I mean, I think a lot of people view this uh, this way, but divisional round, best round of football that you get, yep. right? Like you yep. get, obviously, we're in the playoffs, so we have, you know, we've kind of siphoned out some of the chaff, right? We've, we've gotten this to where it's only good football teams, in theory, at the very least. And there's still a few games, right? You still have four games to post the yep. championship weekend. So, like, if one of those ends up being big blowout or what have you, it doesn't, make, you know, cause so much of a, a stir or whatever. But ultimately, you get a whole bunch of good football, which is what we got. Um, on this evening, there is uh, some some action in the Metroplex. Your Mavs will take on the Celtics. The Kristaps Porzingis-less Celtics. Yep. He will not be playing mm-hmm. tonight. And earlier, shout-out to FC Dallas, who had their – preseason game against uh, Messi, Lionel Messi, and uh, Inter Miami earlier at the Cotton Bowl. But, yeah, man, some uh, NFL divisional round football happened this weekend. And let's go ahead and talk about what we learned from the divisional round. Again, 877-881-1053 is the truckwreck.com text line. Let us know what you learned on the weekend. Blake, what, what did you feel like you learned on the weekend? I feel like I learned my biggest takeaway from this was Patrick Mahomes is inevitable. We doubted him all year. I mean, on this on this show, on every other show, on social media, talking to fans, everyone knew Patrick Mahomes was probably still the best player. That wasn't really up for debate. But it was just like, can the Chiefs really go this far? I mean, the 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 offense looks bad. The receivers can't catch the ball. They're having boneheaded plays. They might make it to the first round. And here they are again. Patrick Mahomes has been a starter for six seasons, and all six 
he has been to the AFC Championship game. Like, he has more wins before turning 30 than any other quarterback in NFL history, passing Tom Brady last night with 13 total wins before 30, in the postseason, I should say. So it's just like a moment of, that was such a great game, and I'm just like, wow. I am being able to witness one of the best quarterbacks that probably will ever play this game right in front of us, and he just keeps proving the doubters wrong time after time. After time. Yeah, see, uh, from, on the truckwreck.com text line from the 204, they said, nah, me. I'm, I'm going to kind of, I'm going to push back on this a little bit. I don't think anybody doubted Patrick Mahomes himself. I think we've gotten to the place where we're scared. Yeah. Like, do you remember, um, and this is a, a cross-sport analogy, you remember in basketball when we had the audacity to start talking about Seth Curry, or Steph Curry, rather? Yeah. The damn Currys, right? I mean, I, yeah, I Steph pick- Curry is like, oh, man, he might be the best player in the world. And then uh, the 2016 finals happened yeah. and LeBron did that. And we were like, oh, never again. Are we yeah. gonna-? I think that that's where we're at with Patrick Mahomes. We looked around and we're like, oh, let's let's not I mean, do anything what- as, as, as hasty as saying that he's not, you know, incredible and we're ever going to bet against him. I think everybody understood that he was good. The problem is, like, that offense has had issues where you talk about the pass catching all the way around has been significantly deficient. And then the offensive line had not been playing at the levels that you uh-huh. needed them to. And you look around and you go, oh, man, like Patrick Mahomes can't play by himself. And we saw mm-hmm. what that team looked like in the Super Bowl when they had a whole bunch of injuries on the mm-hmm. offensive line. He was out here, you know, bowling for Dolo, right, mm-hmm. by himself, it felt like. And so I think it was just like the team concept of this might be the worst offense of the, of the Patrick Mahomes era of the Chiefs that we've seen. And I don't know that that's going to stand up when you get up against a team that has a level of offense to bring to your doorstep. Yeah. I th- I think we learned that also on the flip side, Josh Allen and the Bills might just never beat him. I mean, kind of everything that we just said, everything was in the favor of the Bills. I mean, the Chiefs had boneheaded turnovers. Even after the dumb fake punt with DeMar Hamlin, the Chiefs didn't even convert it. That's when McCole Harmon fumbled on the one-yard line. So that got X'd out. They had Josh Allen fumbling, and they, the Chiefs didn't even recover. They tried to scoop and score, and the Bills got the ball back. Bills, me and Reggie were talking about before the game, the Bills had – three, four fumbles that none of them were recovered by the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. So they got the breaks. I think the only thing that really didn't go the way was that pass interference call where he kind of chipped them running that drag route and they called it 30 seconds later. They ended up not even scoring points on that possession anyways and punting the ball. Nonetheless, every stat you read up, I'm not going to read off every single one, yards, possession, everything, rushing yards. The Bills won. Time of possession. They had 37 minutes they had the ball. Chiefs had it for 22 and they still couldn't win. I just, it might just be, I don't want to say like a mental block. It's not like they were making super big mental errors, but it just feels like they're going to keep matching up against the Chiefs, and they might never be able to go on the hump. So I, I think that's where I'm at right now with Josh Allen. I feel bad for dude. Yeah, I, I think some of that, right, we might, in the, in the more fun aspect of this, hey, man, do the Bills got some level of curse that we're not paying attention to, right? The, the fact that it comes down to a wide right kick. Yeah. Uh, you know, instance, right? The the Buffalo faithful, very familiar with the wide right call, right? Yep. Like I I just imagine that they are like kickers, just as a position, outlaw them, right? Like that's, I I, I that's so tough for them. Um, but then there's this is one of those things is you could see in Josh Allen and the way that they went about this that they were trying to keep this thing contained, and then they were like, all right, go Superman, and you just got really unlucky with a few times where it was like, all right, Josh Allen is going outside of himself as opposed to trying to be, like, within himself and playing within the game. And you had, like, the the, the frozen rope that gets thrown down the field that just slides Ooh. through the hands 
uh, Stephon Diggs, right? Like you had another one of those that just ultimately, and then you had maybe one play where Josh Allen had a play to make and he missed it a little I, bit. I would say Josh Allen, in my mind, if we're grading out of 100, I would give him like a 92. Like I thought he played phenomenal. I was literally watching the game, texting my friend, I was like, this version of Josh Allen looks like a beast. He was running when he needed to. He was passing when he needed to, taking the check downs. They were running the ball. He was using his legs when he needed to. He was making all the right plays until that final drive. A little bit of a hero ball got in him. On that second and third down, I believe he had he tried to hit the post route across the middle and then didn't take uh, Stephon Diggs crossing across and try to yeah. hit the back corner end zone shot. So he kind of went from what he went away from what he was doing the whole time with taking what the defense gave him and tried to make the hero ball play. And I'll give it to him. He played discipline all throughout the game, but when it mattered most, he did a little bit of hero ball. And I saw some people talking about throw the ball to Diggs on the drag route, and I agree, but how Diggs was playing, are we even sure he'd catch that? I mean, it would even pick up the first down. Now, obviously, I'm being a little um, – I'm emphasizing a little bit. But that throw Josh Allen had to Stephon Diggs – the throw, I'm sorry. I have to take a moment to say it. That was an insane throw. That was a rocket that he roped like 80 yards, 75 yards down the field just for Diggs to go right through his hands. And Diggs talking about oh, a little too far. A little too far. Nah, bro. You dropped it. He was a no-show in the playoffs. I mean, it was bad. Yeah, like that. That's one of the funny things about Josh Allen. Like, hey man, this dude's really good, you know. And so there's instances where you know this is why you deal with the other things that Josh Allen will bring you because good stuff is just so very good. And I think that also speaks to the reason why you had, or maybe not the reason, but maybe a question that you ask of Sean McDermott in those in that instance of, hey man, yeah, you know, Sean's- why did you why did you go about that in yep. the way that you did? But like, hey man, if you were able to, the 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 ultimate question of what happens if you can keep Josh Allen in this, you know, in this box? And it looked really good, but the problem is, like, you need to be able to unleash him sometimes. And then maybe you ask questions on why you, you know, why you go for certain circumstances, why you go for it on that fourth down, right? Like, why, what happens with that fake punt? Why do you go for that? Which I'm pretty sure was just like a, a automatic trigger when you see that they have fewer men than you and yep. that just didn't and work. Yeah, they said it was a, they checked it out there, right? Um, but yeah, that was I thought that was a really it was a fun game all the way around, super fun. And yeah, it just I think it just sucks for the Bills because I don't know that I that there's any particular reason that I look up and I go, damn, y'all can't get it done. It was like, oh well, you just didn't more just than anything. Didn't. I mean, it came down to those last two plays where he like we said we tried to make that hero ball, but that's being very selective. They should have hit the field goal to send it to overtime. But who's to say Mahomes wouldn't go down there and crush their hearts even more with a game-winning drive? 13 seconds, dog. Like, yeah. that's the thing is, like, we've seen it in this particular yeah. matchup of teams. Yeah. 13 seconds is all they need. Now, of course, you, you need guys on the other end that can catch it. And uh, there is something to be said for the fact that the Kansas City Chiefs wide receivers, hey, man, they did a, they did just enough, right? They you had Rashi Rice. Marquez Valdez. He was Valdez, catching it. He, he's usually out here doing wind sprints, and he yeah. was like, I might as well catch a football while I'm out here, and, and he did. And that was even to the Bills' credit. We talked about this pre, uh, pre-show. pre McCall Hartman did his best Kadarius Tony impersonation. Two touches, two fumbles. Could have cost him the game, but it didn't. And they still found a way to win. Like you said, Rasheed Rice being that wide receiver for him for them. Travis Kelsey coming out of nowhere, hadn't scored a touchdown in eight games, has two in this game, two big ones. So shout out to the Chiefs pulling it together. Um, it was interesting, man. I don't know if the Bills can ever get over that hump. We'll have to see, especially because like they're definitely closing one one window of contention when it comes to like talent wise. Yeah. Um, they're going to have to find a way to revamp and continue to try and play, um, you know, some good football. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see how they move on from this in particular going forward. Uh, other things that we learned from the division round. I also learned that are are we still. Are we still debating the going for two down eight? 
That's an interesting one. I, I, I'm a fan of it because then you still have a chance at the end to tie it up, and now you put pressure if you get the first two on the team going back down the field like, oh, we have to score this because now they have the advantage, and you still have a chance at the end. I personally am for it, but I can understand the, the opposite side of the coin. Yeah, I, I thought that we had already kind of established this. And I, look, Twitter is not the entirety of the world. And the, the Twitter that I see is even more so not the entirety of the world, right? I understand the way the algorithms work, you know, silos, all those types of things. But I was very much shocked when, you know, Todd Bowles opts to go for two as opposed to kicking the field goal um, to make, you know, to make it a, a one score game and a seven point game to be particular. Oh, and people were like, oh, that's so stupid. You just kicked the extra. And I was like, really? Yeah. I thought we had already talked. We already figured this out. Right. And I know Chris Collinsworth did his best to PFF this and like (laughs) give us a give us a explanation as to this. But it felt like all it feels like all the smartest folks in football have looked up and be like, hey, if you if you're going to have to go for two to win, you might as well give yourself two opportunities to go for two. Yep. Right. Especially as long as you have a good play that you can draw up. Right, you give yourself two opportunities to go for two. You have a significantly better chance of getting one of those, and that would just tie the game. And the, if you happen to get two of those, mm-hmm. right now you have an opportunity to win. And wherein you did not have an opportunity to win if you just kick these extra points. You are playing solely for overtime, and this is where we could absolutely go to the audio of what's my guy um, Herm Edwards saying mm-hmm. you play to win the game, right? Mm-hmm. I, I absolutely understand you putting yourself in that circumstance and trying to win the game with with your offense, with what who you believe to be playing well. And mm-hmm. so I, I found it to be weird. The one thing I did question is, okay, you're going to go for two. A fade is what we're going with yeah. here? And it was late, too. Baker, I thought, played a great game. It was a late. He's, he's got to throw that one-two step, let it go. He did, like, a three-step drop back, waited till Mike Evans was in the corner of the end zone, then threw it. And Mike Evans is a big-body receiver. I might just throw him on a little out route or something like that. They, they threw a fade in very bad positioning. They're not going to get that P.I. call, even though it was debatable. But I thought Baker played a great game overall, kept this team alive. They were getting pressured all day, and the Buccaneers couldn't do the same on the other. And I think they had, like, one sack. It was tough for them to give Jared Goff and that defense anything or that offense any fits. They were kind of moving the ball up and down the field. I'll tell you one thing I did learn. Jameer Gibbs was the right pick. That boy's a dog. Yeah. He made Antone Winfield, first team all pro, look slow. One cut to the, to the pylon and then threw him down and stared him down. Jameer Gibbs is, is, is the real deal, and I like what the Lions are building over there. It's as much as it pains me to say, they might draft a receiver here early and, and have a – Amon Ra and another receiver because, you know, you got Reynolds and Jamison, who I think are more wide receiver threes. So the Lions, they don't have a lot of holes in that team. That O-line is nasty. Yeah, man. Uh, Brad Holmes has a measure of I told you so going on. And look, this this definitely points at a whole bunch of folks that, like, you know, talk a lot about positional value, particularly when we're talking about the draft. What they have done is they have, like, just went and got players that they liked at positions that they valued, and then it's gone and it's worked out. And I think I don't think there's anybody that had like real animus for Jameer Gibbs as a player in and of himself. It's no. just like, yo, you p- picking him there, you could have gotten him later. But I guess ultimately, if you get to the point where you feel so confident that he is your guy, take him where you take him. And I, I believe guess. they already had David Montgomery at the time, right? They had already they had they still had DeAndre Swift. Remember, at that point, oh, they went Swift and they and they, 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 they went and traded yeah, yeah. DeAndre Swift. Like so, uh, you know, the idea being this is not something you need, but. If this one thing that to remember in sports is it working out on the end, winning ultimately is the ultimate panacea, is the ultimate, uh, I don't know, it, it smell good in a way. It makes everything feel a lot better. 
and outside of I guess what Jack Campbell, like all those all those picks have been, oh my gosh, have been, been the best really, really good year. for them. And so I think that does speak to the idea that draft value is all good and you know fine and good, but ultimately the biggest portion that matters is you know them working out right. The players working out wherever you get them, you usually be fine. And I still maintain you probably could have gotten Jameer Gibbs later if you mm. wanted to trade back and get more value out of that. You probably could have. But they didn't play around with that, and ultimately the players that they have have worked out for them. And so, man, good for them. And maybe around that, the thing that I learned or that's solidified in my mind is um, players, having a player that's good matters, but then also what matters in this is putting them in a circumstance and a situation that works out. And all of those players have gone into a, cir- a situation that has been built mm-hmm. by Dan Campbell and the rest of that staff and the rest of that leadership group that, like, has them playing their best football and has them buying into a team uh, construct. And Frank Ragnow showed that a lot in his postgame interview and everything. So, yeah, man, uh, kudos to Campbell, kudos to Brad Holmes, kudos to all of them in the Lions for putting together a team that clearly is headed in the right direction. Well, kind of putting a bow on that, tying both these games back together and talking about putting together a team. Let's go to a quick trip down memory lane. Um, 2018, 2017, going back. Bills have the, uh, or the Chiefs have the 27th overall pick, third round pick, 91st overall, and a 2018 first round pick. They trade that to the Bills for the 10th overall pick, and that 10th overall pick becomes who? Patrick Mahomes. You know the Bills fans are feeling sick. Even though, like, we know that's not exactly how this works. Yeah, we don't know if they were going to get Mahomes. We we know that this is not exactly how Plus, if you, it's just funny that the Bills gave it to him out of all people, and now that's the guy that's been kicking your you-know-what for the past five years. Right, as if he's been doing it to you alone. Right, <laughs> like, he's been, everybody everybody been getting this work, right? Mm-hmm. And, and the thing about it is, hey, man, you got yours, right? You got like, Josh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Y'all, y'all out here doing all right. It's just, you know, somebody got to lose, right? Like, mm-hmm. that was very much a somebody. In fact, I remember, like, somewhere relatively late in the first quarter, I was like, oh, so this is going to be a game whoever gets the ball last yep. game. Yep. Because both defense, I came into this game actually thinking that this game was going to be the low Bills Chiefs game, low scoring. Mm-hmm. Because like I know that it's quarterback versus quarterback, and everybody's doing like the Brady Manning is mm-hmm. you know new version of Brady Manning. Both of these defenses have been cooking mm-hmm. coming into this game, and the one thing I could say is like, oh well, the Bills have had some injuries, yep. and all the dudes who had to step in and replace played great football, right? And so I was like, oh man, this is going to be this is going to be low scoring, and they were just like, not if we run this ball. Not if we tote this Ooh, rock. James Cookman, I thought I was having Cowboys flashbacks. He was running all over them. Yeah, and so they just played a great brand of football. It was a fun, solid game, and ultimately, I think we are all the winners of it. Oh, we are such winners. That was a cinema of a game. I was watching that, and one of my friends couldn't watch it. I was like, you are missing one of the best games in a while. This game is going back and forth. We had turnovers, not turnovers, fumbles, crazy touchdowns. I mean, that Shakir play... Um, I believe it was in the third quarter, maybe maybe early fourth, where Josh Allen threw that rope on third down right to the pylon to Khalil Shakir on Legereus Sneed, who was not allowed a touchdown all year to get that touchdown. I was like, the little diving right at the front pylon, that was so sweet to watch. And I'm not a fan of either team. Just football, I was just like, that was a sick play. Great football. Those are some of the things that we learned from divisional round. We'll talk more about it at 8, answer some questions from the divisional round. We didn't even touch some of these games. We didn't touch C.J. Stroud oh, and yeah, the Texans CJ. and how they showed up uh, and how they played against a dominant Baltimore Ravens team. Like We didn't really get all that deep into uh, various games that happened. Niners, um, and who do they play? Packers, Packers, I already forgot at this point, but <laughs> we didn't get into any of those. We'll, we'll try and talk more of those as we go along. 
uh, on this Get Right right here on 105 Through the Fan. Coming up next, let's talk about some of the things that are happening in the coaching carousel as there's been a new hire um, just as of no more than a 30 minutes ago. And also, if he doesn't get a job, do you actually want Dan Quinn back? We'll do that next on The Fan. To get right right here on 105.3 The Fan, I'm Reginald Datatula. That's The Fan Fiend. I'm Blake Elliott. Yes, Erski. Thanks to David Shrub and Ross Lebensky on the ones and twos. And you for rocking with us on this Monday after the divisional round weekend in the National Football League. Um, shout out to the Mavs who are getting ready to tip off against the uh, Boston Celtics at the AAC. Let us know if you're heading out that way. If you are, you better get a move on. You're probably about 10 minutes away from tip. Uh, but yes, Christos Porzingis not playing for the uh, best record in the NBA, Boston Celtics. So it should be a fun one to see. Uh, we'll try and keep you up to date with what's happening there. And big shout out to FC Dallas getting a 1-0 victory over into Miami. Of mm-hmm. course, Luis Suarez, but Louis, uh, Lionel Messi, obviously the big sell for Inter Miami. And none of them score a goal. It is uh, Jesus Ferreira who scores the goal for your FC Dallas at the Cotton Bowl. Shout out to Tuolo Vader, who was out there and apparently is still struck in traffic getting out of there. Um, <laughs> vaya con Dios, right? Go with God in uh, trying to make your way around the Metroplex on this Monday evening. Uh, but NFL, Coach of Carousel, it's that time where, you know, people are looking for coaches. People are, you know, interviewing, trying to hire coaches. And, of course, before we got on air, we actually found out about a no- another coaching hire in the NFL, the Titans have their new head coach, and it is uh, Brian Callahan. Or not Brian Callahan, Brian Callahan's son. Oh, no, Brian Callahan. It's yeah, Brian Bill Callahan. Callahan's son. Yeah. All the Bs, right? Brian Callahan, who was the offensive coordinator for the Cincinnati Bengals, Joe Burrow and them, as I like to call them. Um, not the play caller, though, right? Like Zach Taylor mm-hmm. handled play calling, but offensive coordinator nonetheless uh, gets a chance to run his own shop with the Tennessee Titans. What's your re- reaction to that one? Uh, it, it, it definitely feels out of left field. I mean, we were cross talking when the G bag, when it happened, I was just like, I, I mean, I didn't even hear much rumors about this. This kind of just kind of came out of nowhere. Like, all right, here's a new head coach. And it, it's very interesting that they fired, they fired Vrabel for this. They're obviously trying to get younger, trying to get a different scheme in there. So it'll be interesting to see what it brings, but I'm more, I'm more worried about what connections he has. Maybe he brings a T Higgins along with him. Who's a free agent upcoming this season. So I think the identity will change in um, in Tennessee. I don't think they're going to be the same ground and pound, hard nosed, tough defense that Vrabel was. Uh, kind of that was kind of his identity. I think this might be a more pass friendly offense, like we saw in Cincinnati. So I'll be interested to see how this team goes through the months and years of this new head coach and hire with Vrabel gone. Yeah, man, it's very clear that the Titans wanted to change like the identity of what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, even though when they fired Vrabel, like like you, I was kind of surprised because it felt like whatever they gave him, he maximized that roster. But it it was very evident, like the the upside on of it was going to be low. It was going to be a low ceiling proposition, even if he was maximizing what was happening. It's clear that they're going into a position of like rebuilding in a way, right? They're going to see if they can try and build this thing up. I'm interested to see what exactly Brian Callahan's vision for this hey, is. The worst thing you can do is in. And we've we've debated this back and forth, but in my opinion, at least in the NFL, is be in the middle. You either want to be contending, making the playoffs consistently, or you want to be bad enough to get draft picks and have cap space. You don't want to just be – and I feel like Tennessee was one of those teams that was always like seven wins, eight wins, seven wins, second in the division, third in the division, never really, really contending, but never really the worst team in the division year in after year out. So they're trying to, you know, 
maybe sink a little bit to, to rise, or maybe they think they have the pieces, they can get the pieces in the offseason to be a team that's continuing, but they've obviously trying to change that identity. Some other, like, head coaching or, I guess, front office things. Uh, the, the Panthers hired Dan Morgan, who, uh, as their president of football operations and general manager. This one I thought was interesting. The Bears are working, basically, you know, negotiating to hire Shane Waldron as their new mm. office coordinator, former office coordinator for the Seattle Seahawks, obviously with Pete Carroll stepping away in that situation, all those assistants end up in kind of in limbo. He going for the Chicago Bears. Like, how interested are you in that uh, kind of pairing, considering the lack of support that Justin Fields has had in Chicago? Yeah, hopefully, hopefully they can get it. They can get right the ship over there because it's it's an interesting place. Um, a lot of a lot of stuff has passed away. A lot of stuff has died over there in that kind of land. So he's gonna need to do a lot of resurrection. Hopefully, hopefully he got his good juju on his side. Hopefully he knows what he's doing over there because if not, um, you're going to be another scapegoat situation and we're going to have another firing. <laughs> yeah, like, I think that that one's kind of interesting in, a, in almost a cowboy similarity way because mm-hmm. Matt Eberflus, I feel like he's he's on the hot seat in a way. Yeah, it's in weird. Chicago. He and, was going up and down and up and down. <laughs> and so, like, they get rid of Luke Getze. You had to. That offense was not well, – it was not inspired. Nope. And it did not – give your quarterback the best chances of success. In fact, the things that you look around and you go, these are the things that are probably the elements that you need to be successful with Justin Fields. It felt like they did not do mm-hmm. enough. Shane Waldron comes in with a wealth of experience and working, you know, working in Seattle. And I think that he's a good offensive coordinator, but that's a circumstance where you come, you're going to, you know, come into a spot where, even if you do well, if if the overall result isn't good enough, you might be out of a job still because they might get rid of your boss, who is Matt Eberflus. And that is the circumstance the Cowboys would find themselves in should Dan Quinn get a job yep. or should for some reason the Cowboys in their, you know, in their, um, their, you know, figurings out of where they want to go forward, should mm-hmm. they not invite Dan Quinn back? Now, of course, we have the reporting that he would likely be back if he was not made a head coach. But I'm interested how the fan base feels about Dan Quinn and whether, you know, how excited they are for his return should he not be made a head coach because Dan Quinn for a good amount of time, for the first couple of years that he was here, entirely unassailable. In fact, first two and a half years, entirely unassailable, right? Mm -hmm. And I think the defense showed so many signs of leakage towards the back end of this year. And also I think the ways in which they were completely dismantled in the playoff game, not that – one single game would, you know, be the end all be all. However, also you can you pair that with Dan Quinn's record against the Shanahan tree yep. offenses mm-hmm. being 0-6 and and not just like the win loss, but like clearly him having having trouble handling and trying to re- rein those in when those are the those are the offenses that seem to be running the league and seem to be um the gatekeepers to success for you. How excited are you about the prospect of him returning should he, you know, not get one of these head coaching jobs this time around? So it, it, it's kind of a weird spot because I, I think you hit a, I think you hit a good nail on it. it. It's not just the Packers game that I'm knee-jerk, oh, my gosh, can't have him back. I long-term do not want Dan Quinn back because of what you just said. Mm. That Shanahan tree is what you have to be to be good in this in this league. All the best coaches, for the most part, Outside of like Andy Reid are somehow part of that Shanahan tree, and it's funny because Dan Quinn in Atlanta was with most of those guys. Yep, 
And you would think that he would be, okay, I know their tendencies. Nope. They hit him like he has never seen it before. That and might go the other way, though. That might be those no, guys no dance knowing some of, some of the dance. Although, Dan's defense, like, there is something to be said for. Like, this, he has, you know, evolved his defense. This is clearly not the Legion of Boom defense yes. that you saw in Seattle. So, like, I think one thing that gives me a little bit of hope should he return is he has in the past shown an ability to evolve. Now, if he is given the right um, the right amount of talent or, like, amount of talent is not the right thing. You had a lot of pro bowlers on this roster, and, of course, you still are going to have Trayvon Diggs back. But what I'm saying is if he's given the talent uh, that fits, right, one of the things we talked about is the idea of not being able to go big, mm-hmm. even in some circumstances. I, I'm interested in seeing if he would be able to, you know, evolve in a, such a way that would allow him to better handle those And, and I, I think this season will be good because, in my opinion, I'll just be, I'll just be frank, the season kind of feels like a little bit of a wash coming up with bringing back Mike with none of the probably major offensive pieces changing. Yeah. So I'm just like, you know what? Bring back – if he doesn't get a head coaching spot, bring him back in whatever for a year. And maybe maybe we're all crazy and it was just a personnel. You give them some big linebackers and they're a top five defense. I don't know. And at times they were. But I'm not looking at – well, they did good last year. I saw some people texting that. Well, they did good against this certain quarterback. To be the defensive quarter of the Cowboys, the, the standards are higher. I don't want you to be good in spots. I want, Look at Mike McDonald. Like, the, there's very few and far between games you can say the Ravens' defense weren't physical and didn't play well and were in the wrong spots. There is a lot of times that it did not feel like just a personnel issue where guys were in the wrong spots. That Green Bay game... I'm not like, well, if they just had this player in this spot, they would have been a lot closer of a game. They didn't look like they wanted to play football that day. And that, I already gave most of the, the blame to Mike McCarthy. But Dan Quinn plays a part in that as well. He coaches the defense. I mean, we got Micah Parsons not rushing the passer on third down, standing guarding grass, standing there picking daisies, because that's what he was told to do on that play while Jordan Love sits in the backfield, calls his mama, and throws a dart down the field. So there, there's some places where – the Buffalo game, they're running all over you. Yes, would it help to have heavier linebackers? Of course. But at some point, you got to change and stop going nickel and dime. I, I, I haven't seen quick adjustments. How many times have has a first half we've been dominated this past year, and in the second half, Dan Quinn comes out with a new adjustment, and all of a sudden the, cat, the defense looks better? I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it where the defense comes out looking different than they did in the second half, and I get the personnel thing, and I full-heartedly agree with it. We lost our linebackers. You want to have beefier players. You had safeties playing linebacker. I get it. They're not the only team in the NFL that had injuries. They are not the only team in the NFL that had injuries. Look at the Bills. They Half of their defensive team was decimated, and they still kept that Chiefs game close. I don't think the defense is the reason they lost the game. So at some point, at some point, we got to stop making excuses for Dan Quinn. I'm not saying he's a bottom five coordinator, but I just don't think he's up to the standard of what Cowboys fans, what Cowboys players want for their team. But for a year, he's cool. But if he gets a head coaching job, I wouldn't be crying. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, like I mentioned, I, I think that there's a, there's an ability to evolve or there's a, a possibility of evolution. But one thing that you can say is that the Cowboys' M.O. going into this postseason, I think the thing that one of the things that showed up in the loss versus the Packers is the mentality that we, we are going to do what we do and we're not going to have any level of a level like adjustment or whatever, even though I understand, right? They came out, they played a lot of zone, right? But mm-hmm. that, the idea that... This is who we are, and this is how we're going to play. And ha- I think that you need to be a little bit more multiple, right? Yeah. And obviously, a lot of this is in 
also an indictment of the front office and just like the way that your personnel was because of injuries and various other things, right? Like there's a lot of factors that play in here. Um, but the ways in which a team was able to look at what you were doing and know exactly what your your personnel or your, what your rules were and exploit it was concerning. Um, I'm interested, though, if some people are just in the place where it's like that would be a place where you could change, where you could find some level of change, right? Mm-hmm. You you have you're basically running it back in all facets. <laughs> it's not that if he crazy, back, Reggie. right? And I look, <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of uh people that are upset for good reason when it comes to these cowboys and i was wondering if there was just some people that were like just for the sake of something different right um that change could and again your hand might be forced in this regard uh but i was just intrigued to see if that would be something that people and how people still feel about dan quinn because in that locker room they love him yep uh in that in that organization they love him and he's a well-respected defensive uh coordinator and 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 us in the media us in the fans we can think whatever we want to make what really matters is what Reggie just said. As long as the players love him, they buy in, who cares? We can call him the worst coordinator or the best coordinator. That doesn't affect how he plays and calls football games. I don't I don't really care. I'm just telling you what we feel that he is doing. And we I think we 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 get misconstrued over looking at past results. Well, the Cowboys seven years ago, the defense wasn't good, and now that Dan Quinn showed up, it's looked different. I agree. The defense has looked better. So has the personnel. So has the offense. Those both play a part. You can't just attribute, well, Dan Quinn made the defense look good, so he can do no wrong. I think that's the part that we get confused. Once somebody does something well, they can do no wrong. It doesn't matter if they fall apart. Well, remember what they did last year? That's like that's like your girl or the girl you're with. She she does you right. She buys you roses every Valentine's Day, takes you out to dinner, but then she cheats on you. It's like, well, remember what she did back then? She did do me better than anyone else has done me. That doesn't mean what she's doing right now is right. So we gotta we gotta not misconstrue and pull them together that just because he did something in the past means that in the future he can do no wrong. Cause I don't think Dan Quinn is up to the standard of what they want long term. There's a reason that we're having these discussions. I don't think he proved himself. And we can look at the regular season all we want. Really don't care. I really don't. What is my defensive coordinator gonna do against the best offensive coordinators, aka the Shanahan tree, which he's 0-6 against, in the playoffs, in those high leverage moments, against the Bills, against the Dolphins. Against the the Chiefs, against these good football teams, I feel like he at most times doesn't play up the standard. Yeah, and look, I think we there's there's instances where you know a coordinator is going to scheme scheme your team into a interesting circumstance, and I'm I'm not sure that I'm there with Dan Quinn, but I also still would be okay, very much okay with him returning. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is something that I'm starting to have questions about. And so it'll be interesting to see. Ultimately, again, this might not even be an issue, right? He has been a head coaching candidate for two, three cycles at this point, and it feels like this one is heated up to even an even higher level. But that Packers game in particular, but also not just the Packers game, right? Like this season, in addition to putting up some of the best performances for defense, you've seen them put up some of the worst performances for defense. So high, so low. And I think that high variance has given me a level of pause. And so I'm interested. I'm I'm just very intrigued to see what the back end of this is. But I do have a level of belief in Dan Quinn. And I think if you were to have a level of belief in any of any of the coaching coaching on the coaching staff, he's one of those guys that reasonably you should and, have some in. And we and we talked about this too. With Mike McCarthy returning for one year, they've already publicly said they're not gonna give him an extension. It's very hard to fill someone to fill that defensive coordinator yep. role. Because if you don't know these these positions, you're trying to go up and up. DQ to OC to, to head coach to whatever. You're not trying to go down or stay at the same level. So when you have just a year left role, 
a lot of these coaches bring their their boys with them. They don't just come usually as one. They usually bring in the passing game coordinator, the special teams, or the tight ends coach. They're bringing their boys so they got their personnel, so it makes sense when they're making their calls down down the road. Bringing in a, a defensive coordinator in this high leverage situation where you know the expectations are high and you're filling in for maybe a year and you're either guaranteed the head coaching spot or not guaranteed the head coaching spot, it's a very hard sell. So it'll be hard to get a quality guy that would do better than Dan Quinn. So that's why I said for this year, I'm fine with running it back. But if they did not, I would not be like, man, this defense is just going to fall apart. What are we going to do without Dan Quinn? They'll figure it out, and they always have. So get right right here on 105 through, the, 105 through the fan. You really hope that that gets resolved quickly, though, because you're already seeing, like, the Jags hired – uh, Ryan Nielsen, who was previously the Falcons' defensive coordinator, and now is their defensive coordinator. This cycle is moving, and so I know Jerry Jones had said that, like you know, he's he's not um, he's not you know really pressed to get into it. And again, I do think that Dan Quinn probably returns, but if for some reason he you'd have to move on from, him, you'd love to know that sooner rather than later, so you can get in on the cycle. Coming up next, let's go around the NFL. There's some uh, Debo Samuel might not play next Ooh. week. Let's talk about that and more next on the fan. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. So get right, right here on 105 through the fan. Reginald Atatula alongside the fan phenom Blake Elliott. Dave Shrupp on the ones and two. I called you Dave. David, is it cool <laughs> if I call you Dave every once in a while, or are you a David guy? All right, that was a weird way to say that, but okay, no problem. Dave Shrupp on the ones and twos. Thank you, sir. Uh, they're off and running at the AAC. Mavs currently leading yeah. <laughs> the Boston Celtics 7-6. to six. You like how I did that, yeah, don't you? Yeah, nice little uh, way. Like Kyrie Isos. <laughs> eight minutes left in the first quarter. Should be a really good one. That's a really tough Celtics team that they're facing off against. And no Kristaps Porzingis, so yep. there's not that, uh, that revenge game portion of it. Although, I guess Grant Williams, once he gets on the floor, there's that portion yep. of it. And Kyrie his, coming back. You know, two, that's two, true. Two. Kyrie did have his, his stint there, so... Yep. We'll keep you updated with what's happening there. Uh, but right now, let's go around the NFL here on the Get Right on 105.3 The it. Fan. And I was talking earlier about some head, some coaching carousel news. There's some other news that's happening as the Los Angeles Chargers are having another meeting 
with Jim Harbaugh, the head coach of Michigan. He getting a bunch of steak dinners, baby. (laughs) He going wherever he wants. But this is the thing. Like, it's very, it's been very clear. Like, he's not the guy who's like, I just want you to wine me and dine me. Like, he's like, I have been looking for an NFL head coaching job, and Mm -hmm. so I will be any of the, like, if you're Michigan, right, you're like, hey, man, we got a championship. Let's put, we put this contract on the table. All you got to do is promise us that you're not going to be going around and talking to these other women. He said, oh. And he's like, oh. Hold that for a second. Well, I got a date right quick. Uh, Let me go. Okay. Well, give me a percentage. This is all hypothetical. Then he yeah. goes back to Michigan. Just if you had to put a percentage on it. Or versus Michigan versus the field slash NFL team. 20. 20? Okay. Uh, he's been, he has been searching. Every job. For, he's been sniffing around all these jobs in the NFL when they pop open. And now he has gotten, like, openly gotten interviews, not just one, but two in multiple places with the Falcons. And, the, yeah, that man will be in the NFL. Okay. He I will like be. Um, and it's just like it, he would have to be passed over for all those jobs. And even then, the crazy thing is, like, if you're Michigan, you have to welcome him back, right? Like, he just won uh, your national championship. He is one of your own. He's beating Ohio State. How many times? Three times in a row? Mm-hmm, right? Like, mm-hmm. you got to welcome him back, even though all he seemed to want to do is leave you. Yep. What a time. What a place. Uh, how about this as we continue around the NFL? Ron Rivera, former head coach of the Washington Commandos, as I like to call them, apparently will be interviewing for the Eagles defensive coordinator job. And, and do you like it or do you love it, Blake? Um, I love it as a Cowboys <laughs> fan. I mean, I, I put that on my bulletin board. But I will say, jokes aside, I, I do think him kind of taking a little bit of a demotion is probably s- s- smart self-realization. Let me, instead of being out of a job, let me look for a D.C. job. Let me, whoever wants to hire me, cool, rather than being like, I'm going to be a head coach right here. Because that obviously, that time has passed. And I love Ron, you know, Riverboat Ron. So I think if he wants to go to be the D.C. of the Eagles, Maybe maybe we'll put a pen behind of it behind his ear rather than a pencil. Maybe we'll get like a sharpie behind there. Yeah, the thing about his last time he was a defensive coordinator was I believe twenty ten. Mm-hmm. Does that sound right? Yeah, twenty ten with uh, the Chargers, and they were like one of the league leading defenses. It's just like, hey man, the league is very different than it was in twenty ten. Like, can you still be a defensive coordinator that knows what you're doing in this particular era? Um, I personally would not go that route, particularly with a coordinator. That seems to be a job where you can absolutely get up and comers and folks that are like really schematically uh, aligned. And honestly, like you were 100 percent right. 2010 Chargers. Yep. As much as we want to give him right, like maybe credit as like leader guy, which clearly he's had a lot of responsibility doing such a thing. Coordinator isn't as much about being leader guy, yep. especially when you're that X's nose, baby. So. Hey, they got Sean Desai and Matt Patricia out there in a hurry. Yeah, they were like, those <laughs> contracts running out, and please believe we ain't offering new ones. I mean, by the time I could even read the report about Sean Desai, I refreshed, and it was Matt Patricia's right behind them, both both, both out of here. Um, elsewhere around the NFL, coming out of the divisional round weekend, couple of injury updates. We talked about that Buffalo-Kansas City uh, big-time playoff game that was really fun. Well, one of the tough things, Kansas City wins, but is it a Pyrrhic victory as Joe Tooney, their uh, you know, big-time guard there, mm-hmm. suffered a pectoral strain in the divisional round win mm-hmm. of that they game? They need him. They need him. I mean, they need that offensive line in general all the way around, but yes, they absolutely need Joe Tooney, especially when you look at the ways that the run has been important for them. Isaiah Pacheco and Ooh. being able to run the football matters a good amount, especially in trying to get defenses to bend to the ways or like forcing certain personnels out there and such. Um, being able to run that football a little bit is super helpful, and, and Joe Thune's a huge part of that. Yeah, a lot of people don't give it credit, but they do. Oh, man, they had that one play where they pulled Creed Humphrey 
which is the center. You don't Sick, see that that's often. That's sicko behavior, honestly. You do not see yeah. the center being pulled because that can leave a huge gap right in the middle of your offense trying to do a run play and it worked to perfection because Joe Tooney was able to fill that gap in half a millisecond. So you need your full offensive line going against that Ravens defensive front. So um, I hope he's back so we can get the best quality football possible. All right, now, do you hope that this gentleman is back as Debo Samuel um, also had an injury. We saw him, you know, basically in and out of that game. In fact, I was kind of shocked because typically in a game, it feels like once a player's in and out a little bit, it's like, all right, let's just go ahead and say that he's doubtful to return. They kept him yeah. available. Kept being just available. Kept coming in for like a play and then going to the sideline and then going for the sideline to the, uh, you know, uh, to the locker room and coming back. And then eventually he came back in a hoodie and we knew that it was it was a thing. But yeah. The Niners apparently don't know yet whether he will play on Sunday in the NFC Championship game. Um, there's a chance that he'll play as, you know, he missed a couple of games uh, with a micro fracture in his shoulder earlier in the season. Yep, I think it's the same shoulder. Yeah, and so they're saying it wasn't broken, but so that was a good sign. Um, but it's still hurting too much for them to know or have an idea how he'll heal up for this Ooh. week. Let's say that Debo Samuel is not ready to go versus the Lions on Sunday mm-hmm. in the NFC Championship game. Mm-hmm. How does that affect the way you think this goes? Uh, Brock Purdy is going to be feeling it because we saw he was a completely different quarterback without Debo Samuel out there. I think Kittle is great. He had some mental errors, some drops. I think Ayuk is a great route runner. But when you can focus in on Ayuk and you go, hey, pass it to someone else. And you and you stop the run, CMC – this is my biggest thing, Reg. Why did CMC only get like 15, 16 carries that game? Well, you can kind of tell that he's not completely. Yeah. You if, know. if you could shut him down, I'll say this. This kind of goes back into what did we learn, and this ties them both back in. The Niners are good. Do not get me wrong. But they're not the Titans that we thought were just going to be unbeatable and, and dog walk everybody by 40 in the playoffs. They're like, okay, they, they got some spots. They got some spots you can get to them. And one of them is Debo Samuel being out of the lineup and that offense being a little bit more predictable. Right. There's something to be said for like, hey, man, you have players of this caliber that give you an opportunity to do all sorts of things. But the downside of that is when you don't have those players, you basically have to rip sheets out of your playbook. Yeah. Because a lot of thing was game plan around him. Right. There was some they, they tried. To, what was it, the first play of the third quarter? They mm-hmm. tried to, you know, run one of them Debo plays with Jawan Johnson. Mm-hmm. Um, Jawan Jennings. Yeah. Or Jennings. I keep yeah. calling him Jawan Johnson. Jawan Jennings. Okay, Alec called him Greg Jennings. The other day. Greg Jennings. Uh, like, I think he's 40. <laughs> I mean, look. Third and Jawan, baby. He got a name like Jawan. Jawan, uh, anyways, I'm off track. But, no, it's like Jawan Jennings is not going to do the Debo Samuel stuff, mm-hmm. right? Like, he does not pose those same threats, and so defenses will not respond in the same ways. And so that's the tough part, right? Christian McCaffrey is one of those players that makes it so, like, if you if you motion Christian McCaffrey out of the backfield and over to a wide receiver spot, he is a full-blown wide receiver now, right? Debo mm-hmm. Samuel, you put him in the backfield – he gives you all sorts of different Wide things. Back. And so you take those things away and you really neutralize what's happening there. You put more of an onus on Brock Purdy and, the, and you know, the rest of that team, and that's not where you want to be. Hey, Brock, I know Brock had the game-winning drive, but he did not look pretty that game. I, I can count maybe seven, eight throws on top of my head where he was missing, left and right, up and down. It was raining. Cool. It's also raining for Jordan Love. He was hooping, dog. He was Jordan? Hooping. Jordan or Brock? No, uh, Jordan. Yeah, okay, okay. I'm making sure to say, yeah, Brock to me was just like, and it gets misconstrued, not misconstrued, it gets washed under the rug because he did have the game-winning drive, and I'll give him that. But I think we very much saw like, hey. There's limitations to this, right? There's limitations. That's that's the way that I'll put that. Uh, Real quick before we go around the NFL, apparently nearly 32 million people tuned in 
for Ravens-Texans on Saturday night, which is the most-watched NFL game in ESPN history. It was a cinema, man. I thought I thought that was a really fun game to watch. Now, of course, I'm invested in, and I've always really enjoyed the Baltimore Ravens and the way that they play football. So I was really interested in that. Plus, I like the Texans quite a bit and yep. what they've built. And so I thought that the the chess match of that was really fun. I didn't think it would pull that many views. Not because it's not a good game, but I think it was either me and you or me and Alex talking about like the diehard NFL fans love this game. But maybe some people that don't know as much and they're just watching because it's playoff football. You think Green Bay and San Francisco these these. Blue Blood franchises are going to pull in more than kind of these up-and-coming, the C.J. Strouds, the Lamar Jackson, the Zay Flowers, the Tank Dale, Nico Collins. Like, people don't know as much about them unless you're really, like, full-blown into the NFL. So I'm very surprised that it pulled in that much. I thought it was a great football game until it wasn't, <laughs> until the second half. We'll talk but. more about that next. We'll talk more about that next. Real quick before we go, uh, the Lions, who are, who are going to meet the Niners in that NFC Championship game, signing uh, three-time Pro Bowler Zach Ertz to the practice squad and maybe possibly to be elevated for the championship game. That's it's kind of crazy. Zach Ertz at one point was like one of the tight, you know, like the class of elite tight ends. He was one of those. Now he's a dude that you try and get on uh, in the middle of the playoffs to maybe just give you a little bit of depth. Crazy how that goes. The NFL's wild. It's the get right right here on one Oh five, three, the fan coming up next. Let's answer some questions from the divisional round uh, weekend in the NFL. We'll do that next on the fan. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for twenty-five dollars per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. Five dollars more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at twenty-four monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. Thirty-five dollars per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend four point four hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.